Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. And I wind up with the other fools. Wasting, wasting his time. Following you around. Another lonely guy with longing in his eye. But you said you're Friday, November 11, 2016, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Harry's, my favorite razor and shaving company out there. Now, yeah, and that's a big statement because you've you've had a lot of loves in your life, but this is this is the razor of your razor. I am, I am loyal, I'm committed, uh-huh. and I'm in Harry's Corner 100% because big razor companies have the annoying habit of putting out new models and then raising their high prices. Yes. But unlike those guys, Harry's doesn't believe in upcharging, which is why they keep making their razors better and better, but keeping their prices exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Harry's has a five-blade razor that now includes a softer flex hinge for a more comfortable glide, trimmer blade for hard-to-reach places, a lubricating strip, which we know is very important, and a textured handle for more control when it's wet. Uh, they just keep getting better. Prices, the same. Yeah. Uh, Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they'll send you their popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, a five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel for free when you sign up for a shave plan. You just pay for the shipping. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of The Relevant Podcast. Enter code RELEVANT5 at checkout to get a post-shave balm added to your order for free. So go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com right now, and enter code RELEVANT5 at checkout to claim your free trial set and post-shave balm the code is relevant five. And a quick How m- many products are involved in your shaving regimen? You guys, you do the like foam. Nope. And then you shave and then balm. Is nope. that it? Straight razor, no water. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. No, that's totally true. Weed whacker. <laughs> I had, I kept a rusty machete in the, in the, on the counter mm-hmm. and I would just kind of <laughs> just rub yeah. it on my face like till there was warm friction. Yeah. Uh, I did then, one of those like old timey like leather straps like they did on an old Popeye cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's why I assumed. I just wanted to check. No, you're right. Before Harry's came <laughs> along, I used to get regular tetanus shots from using old rusty <laughs> blades. It, it wasn't a good look. I also had a, a really patchy beard thing going on. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. For that. <laughs> and just from the Harry's audience sake, if yeah. I just want to say to them, if they ever do have to raise their price a little yeah. bit, we're okay with that. No, not, not a lot. I know that's like their thing, but it's like, hey, we're still sending postage stamps. Like we, still, there's some things we have to have. If they ever need to raise it a quarter to keep things going, we're in. Uh, okay, just a so that's just a little tip for the the Harry's people listening. Yeah, yeah, I know they're excited about never raising the yeah. price, but even if yeah. it was up a little bit, it's such a good deal. Yeah, inflation. You know, yeah. things. You like don't that. even get me started. I don't want in a Mach 12 or whatever it is. Yeah. Just give me a lovely Harry's blade. I'm telling you, I'm a fan. I really, I really am. And they and that's no hyperbole. They really do keep improving the handle and the razor, little evolutions and tweaks to everything, and, it, mm. and it's just even better than it was. And I used to like it as it was, and it's even better now. That's hard. To, that's hard to say. Harry's. Hey, it's kind of like our magazine. We keep trying to make our next <laughs> issue is our best issue. That's always the goal. And mm-hmm. that's how Harry's lives. And that's why I'm in their corner. Right. And loyal to Harry's. It's never good enough for you. Their dad. next razor is their best razor. Right. 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 Our best razors are ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffold. Yes, we can. On the, <laughs> over there on the ones and twos, our <laughs> producer, my brother, Chandler String. Hello. 
<laughs> on the Skype line from Lovely, Virginia, this is Jesse Carey. I like Ike. <laughs> and <laughs> all the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich Reed. Present. Uh, we actually have a great show, uh, a much needed respite from probably all of your social media conversations that you've been having over the last few days since the election results came out. We have a great show. Uh, um, It's an oasis of fun and, and interesting things that have nothing to do with stressful current events. Right. I think there's one narrative throughout that everybody's just stressed out. No matter where you fall politically, this hasn't been, this has been kind of crazy these last couple days. You guys are talking about the beginning of the NBA season, right? No, right. It's been <laughs> otherwise. I'm not following. Been, yeah, Cavs lost references. this week. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I thought Golden State would run this thing. They're having some real competition yeah. out there. What Atlanta's got a team all of a sudden? All right, here we go. Uh, coming up on the show today, Empire of the Sun is coming up later. They have a, a great new album out. Hmm. Uh, Empire of the Sun is not some sort of allegory for the political climate uh, that. I don't know, the global economy, uh, Empire of the Sun, and also Jeremy Courtney, uh, uh, who oh, leads an organization, hey Preemptive Love Coalition in Iraq. He's joining us to talk about uh, what's happening in Mosul, and um, it's an important thing that is going on uh, uh, that's affecting millions of refugees and obviously the political climate in Iraq and yep. that whole region. He comes on to bring us a frontline's perspective of what's happening there, and uh, it's an important conversation that we need to have and not just have one conversation in this country. So. It's really been buried in the headlines and it's yeah. one of the most, if not the most important story in the world right now. If you're thinking in the context of how many people's lives are being directly affected, it's, it's really important. Uh, but moving the show along, it's time for our look back at what happened this week. It's time for in case you missed it. Hey, I just, only have one item. Yeah, just going right into that, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just not do hey, front matter. Did, <laughs> no, did you hear? Uh, did you hear? There's an election. Oh I, oh, I thought we were talking about the Wonder Woman trailer. I am completely unprepared to talk about anything <laughs> other than that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call an audible on this one. This isn't a week where our pithy little culture clips uh, probably are what people want to tune in for. So we figured, why well, just cut to the chase and uh, kind of maybe get out of the way, talk about uh, the environment we're in now that the ele- uh, a very contentious election ended a couple of days ago. And uh, we're now in a position of kind of dusting ourselves off, no matter what side of the aisle you are on and, and uh, moving forward as a country. And so, um, you know, that's kind of, now is your opportunity, Counselor and Pastor Eddie. Tell us what we should do. Are we really pitching to me with that? Oh I gosh, I'm. I, I think my first question is, how's everybody doing? Well, uh, for the <laughs> listeners, we here's some context. We are recording this the morning after yeah. the election uh, was determined, so we're recording on Wednesday morning. I was the, up till we were all up till pretty late. I was four. up till four thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I tried to go to bed early. I literally just couldn't fall asleep. Yeah. Joy, you were on the West Coast. That's like one of the best parts of it. You only have to stay up till one. Yeah, we didn't have to stay up till 4 a.m. Here's the deal. I mean, relevant, we, if you followed our coverage, we, we didn't. I mean, we, we are not a platform that talks about candidates. We aren't a platform that, I mean, we have an issue, an article in the new issue that talked about kind of, it was a conversation with um, Rick Warren and some other faith leaders of kind of like, how do we stay above the fray? How do we engage as citizens, but also keep the context that we are not 
uh, only identified as uh, the nationality of our That's right. of our origin. Um, and so, how do yeah. we engage this with a biblical perspective and a and an eternal perspective? And it was helpful. And then we had a little sidebar of where the candidates stood on the issues that mattered to our readers. Um, and you know, as things Jesse, you know, uh, overseeing our, our web content, you know, we would. You know, we just didn't get into political coverage, so that's not what we're going to do here. Yeah. Don't turn off the podcast if you yeah. have strong feelings about a candidate one way or the other. That's not where we're going. Yeah, and people know individually because we're all Twitter friends that we probably have individual opinions. But the purpose of the show, I think, is to have a broader level of discourse. And I think for me, uh, I, I'm not going to presume to counsel the the listeners through this, but for me, I'm just sort of sitting in a place going how do I talk about this? Because I, f- I find myself personally um, uh, like I, I, like I have friends that said that were conscientious objectors that didn't vote. And, and now I just am mad at them, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, how do I, how do I, because you know, it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And I'm sure that ev- not everybody, but a lot of people on both sides are either excited because of the outcome. And it's hard to reengage with people that were, they were kind of fighting with well, on I would Facebook say, for months. Well, honestly, I would say even people close to me and people that are diehard conservatives feel icky and aren't thrilled either. Yeah. And so we're not we're not in a weird situation where the winners are boasting and the losers are are mourning. It's it's kind of like the whole country feels off right now. Yeah, you know what I mean? I and think part of the, 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 the challenge of this kind of the discourse right now, it boils down to this. So right now, like the thing that we need to address first has nothing to do with politics. It's the fact that for the last three months, we have all experienced bridges being dismantled, right? Because that's the tone of this last election. It was vitriolic. And those bridges between different ideologies didn't stay there. They moved into personal relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, people that that were friends and family on Facebook that may think differently politically started fighting and, you know, maybe even people that you you, you go to church with or that are in your life, this ideological rift, I, I feel like the, one of the reasons we all feel so icky is because it's taken so many personal turns and has affected a lot of people in their personal life and their personal relationships. So even just beyond, okay, what, what what's the, you know, political solutions or the, the what, what can we do to mend diplomatic bridges in Washington to accomplish things together? is how do I re-engage with people who think differently than me now that this is all said and done and we're all living with the same outcome? And the fact that that there are large swaths of people, and we're not just talking about like conservative, liberal, we're talking like whole people groups, whole genders that right now feel, maybe rightly so, but feel really not heard, disenfranchised and nervous and it's hard to know how to approach that because maybe maybe they should be maybe i'm the worst person to be in that conversation because i am a you know middle upper class white male like it's it's i have the easiest road probably of anybody in the planet it's it's just really really vexing to me to know how to very rarely do I approach a situation where I feel like I just don't know how to talk about this. I don't really know how to talk about this because it feels like everybody's got a pretty valid 
concern and people that are excited about the outcome election are valid in being excited about the outcome of the election. This is a, this is a really hard road that I clearly you're hearing me not know how to, how to navigate this, but I, all I've figured out so far is this is, I don't see the end. I don't see the end game for, for this. I, yeah, well, Eddie, I think, you know, I think you're, in a sense, your posture is right. I think any of us that are in a position of a majority, whether it's gender or race, I think at this point, um, I think it is important, even if, you know, 81% of evangelicals, according to one poll, did vote for Trump. And then there's several evangelicals that are very opposed to Trump. And so I do think that we're in this unique time as a church Um, where people are really forced from this election in particular, really forced to figure out like, what do we believe? Um, And that a political party doesn't necessarily define us in that. And so then as the church, you know, how will we um, be known by the way that we love each other? Mm -hmm. So um, those are some of my thoughts. And I, a friend actually sent me a poem this morning that I thought was really um, pertinent called uh, let America be America again by Langston Hughes. And I will just, I will, close out my thoughts by encouraging people to read that poem. Chandler, that was very sweet of you. <laughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. A few states are, a lot of states are red. A few states are blue. Make America Woo. great again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the other, the other thing, like people, people who, people who no matter how they voted, had their, obviously had their reasons that they voted a certain way. And, you know, we we are at this point just like we were four years ago and eight years ago with a candidate that is polarizing to a part of the population, right? And and I and I'm saying that objectively. Well, I, hey Jesse, to dig into that statement, I mean, as as we're recording this, there's a couple of votes still being counted, but Hillary Clinton, as it stands right now has actually more votes than Donald Trump. So the majority of people who voted would say that that's not the person they want in office. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the people who voted for Trump, and I would say the 81% of evangelicals and the exit polls said voted for Trump, many that I've spoken to who voted for Trump said I would have voted for 15 other Republicans before him. I only voted this way because of the Supreme Court you know, uncertainty and things like that. And so even there, some of, some of the people who voted for Trump are holding their nose, you know, because of moral conviction and other beliefs are. And so, so, so we clearly have a situation where we have a divided country yeah. and a country that, that it feels incredibly fragmented, disenfranchised and not heard or represented. Yeah. And, 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 and try, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to make it like a moral equivalency between candidates. What I'm saying, all, all I'm trying to say is like, we're in a position where the, the, population is fragmented and polarized. Like they're either fully one way or fully the other. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of middle ground here. And this is going, I feel like this is part of the challenge, not just of the, of the average citizen to navigate that, but particularly of the church, because we are called to bring unity. And no matter what, what you, who you liked in the primaries, no matter who you voted for in the general election, we are now all going to have the same president in two months. And I feel like, you know, th- we have to figure out what unity looks like, what a moral conviction still looks like, what taking a stand against things that we think are troubling and inappropriate looks like, and what reaching across the ideological lines look like to not give up 
because maybe things worked out one way or maybe it would have worked out the other. But we, I feel like there has to be a posture of optimism, even if we don't feel optimistic. And I feel like I want to add that I feel like, you know, when Eddie, you were saying, how do we have this conversation? I think um, let's all remember, hopefully, that everyone voted from a deep, deep moral conviction. They voted out of that moral conviction, hopefully not out of fear, but out of a deep moral conviction. And so when we do feel this polarization or we do feel like this didn't go how I planned, trying to empathize with the other, I think is the best way to start the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you personally, my mentor growing up all through college, everything that's ever, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about asking Brian to marry me. This is the first guy I call to talk about it. Like this guy is my He's my guy. I mean, you can yeah. tell him that's me. <laughs> okay, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's you. Um, told me a couple months ago, you know, that he was strongly in support of Trump. Went to one of those, like, uh, gathering of evangelical leaders of Trump. This was, this was a Supreme Court nominee yeah, conversation for right. him. And I have felt super disconnected from him because, of course, I would... You know, I mean, obviously, we all know where I stand. I've come from an agenda, but I'm probably a libertarian at heart. But like, like, we just so strongly agree. And we're not, we're not kind of people on the edge of the bell curve here. We're mm-hmm. not like people holding up signs and going, we're like right tucked in the middle. And we were walking arm in arm until he said that. And it's not going to damage the relationship, but there's something in me that I realize I don't understand something. Like there is something that I have missed on this because these are people that I respect a lot who have differing opinions. And I would say that people on either side, like I, my guess is that he would say that about me, like this person I respect and love. And we've always been arm arm. Like we just disagree. The country is strongly divided. And, um, some of the Christian, rightly so a couple of the Christian leaders I talked to this morning, uh, that were, you know, not justifying the vote or, or they're just trying to make sense of it all too. They were just going, well, you know, we hang our hats on the Supreme Court thing. I mean, like yeah. we, as as believers who are pro life and or right. whatever, yeah. that is just that's a generational decision. Valid. Our hope isn't in a president or in a political ideology. Our hope is in our Creator and the ruler of the universe. And I don't mean to just, well, God's still in control. I don't mean to just be pithy with that, but that is really true. And you know, we hold loosely what happens in any political system because that's not. Yes, and I agree with you. The thing that is really hard about that, though, is that even though God is sovereign on all things, we still live on this side of heaven. It can be really hard for mm-hmm. people here on earth, <laughs> even though God but, is God. And, and I, it's so it's, it's like all true. That's the hard thing. Is regardless of who won. We, I, in my my opinion, we would be having the same thing where oh, it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be a funeral this week. Like, like <laughs> if you are a, a a practicing Christian and have a biblical worldview on issues, how you treat your neighbor, how you value life and human dignity, uh, what matters, what's important, what mm-hmm. what isn't, uh, there are aspects of both parties that get it right, and there's aspects of both parties that get it very very wrong, mm-hmm. and. There would be aspects of a president-elect Clinton that you'd have to kind of hold your nose about and hope that the good stuff will be what comes out. And then same thing with president-elect Trump. So it's like, to me, 
whoever was going to win, it's a, it's a system that as a Christian, I can't fully embrace regardless. It doesn't change my responsibility as a Christian of how I need to live my life and the sort of witness and the thing and conviction I need to stand for. And and did you guys watch any of the, or online um, Colbert's thing that he did during the election? It was on Showtime. I no. watched some of it this morning. If it and, was on Showtime, it had too many curse words. I, uh, yeah. I, only watched the, I, mean, I only watched the clean version. That's one thing that all Christians must agree on. We cannot <laughs> well, watch Showtime. Yeah, we, we can't watch Showtime. But Skin there was one thing. There was one thing that he said. You know, as the night was coming to a close, that I've kind of thought about since I watched it earlier was um, for the last few months. You know, we've all been drinking a lot of poison and. It's at first it tasted good to have a sip and to give it to someone else and to get in these debates, but suddenly debates turn to fights and mm. um, relationships that maybe had disagreements suddenly turn hostile and people stop talking to each other and we all drank way too much of this poison and now is the time to stop and and to to figure out a new way forward that doesn't involve destroying ourselves if we disagree with what's happening in culture or if we disagree with people who disagree with us and we have to maintain a different posture right now no matter you know even if like eddie like in your example of your friend who you are mad at for voting one way or the other is probably just as mad at you for being mad at him. Like th- at some point it's a vicious, vicious circle. So we're just, can we just dissect that and really get into how Eddie's wrong about his relationships and friendships? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but, what I, but my, but my point is this, at some point it becomes a vicious circle. Uh, and, and I feel like we, there, there's going to need to be a moment that each individual is going to have to have some self-reflection say, in order to move on in any way, we have to be empathetic, we have to be optimistic, and we have to come together with people who think differently and people who feel voiceless and people who feel underrepresented. And w- we have to be bridge builders. Like that's that. I, that sounds like dumb hyperbole. I get that. But that's the challenge, right? I mean, ultimately, that is part of what we're called to do is to bring people together and not divide them. That's to me where it comes back to my fundamental job is the same as it's always been. Because like, God, like Jesus challenged us to care for the orphan and widows way before this election. And so there is a part of it that's like, okay, today, this date right now, nothing has happened. Where like, not nothing, but like there is not a thing to all of the things that we're afraid of with this election or that other people are afraid of. Like it hasn't happened yet, but the moment it does, it kind of doesn't matter what side we're on because we have to cut through all of that with a different ethic, right? Our Christian ethic that says, Yep. Okay. Well, we have to stand for what's right. I mean, again, regardless of who was in the office, there were going to be issues that Christians needed to stand for that this is right and wrong, you know, whether it be refugees or the unborn or what, no. or unjust war or domestic violence or what, or bigotry, whatever it is, Christians were going to have to stand up for the right values and set the example, whoever was in the Oval Office. And yep. that doesn't change. Maybe the issues that we have to be outspoken about maybe shifted a little bit, but 
the responsibility is still there on us. Yeah, that that yeah, exactly. Because Christianity isn't and never was intended to be a political party. It it was intended to be the embodiment of the gospel, which is predicated on loving your neighbor as yourself. And that is our filter for our reactions and for our political thinking. Is is this something that embodies Jesus' command to love my neighbor, even if that neighbor is my enemy? as myself. And that is the filter. And maybe that's why some people are troubled today. And maybe that's why, you know, um, some people voted the way they did. Either way, that's the filter. And I feel like, again, I, I it's easier said than done. And it's a lot more nuanced than that. But it, at the same time, it's also really simple that when we are coming up with what we are are standing up for and what we are standing up against and even how we are treating other people, it has to start with that. And that has to be our, our, our moral compass because that is what we're commanded to do. Yet how we do that still remains a question, right? <laughs> because like, part of it is there's some universal truths. What does it mean to be a Christian and a Christian that by its nature, since the time of Jesus has been a fairly countercultural proposition, like what does it mean? And that is the really, that is what's vexing me about this. I'm just not quite sure what are the things that I will stand up and say, this is unjust and I will help correct this. And what are the things that I'm, you didn't say the big issue for me, which was, um, well, you know, the thing I care about most is on how Apple TV you always have to push resume. I know. It's I want that like, gone. Seriously. <laughs> and no one's talking about OS that. OS 10.1, they didn't address it. Why Why do I have to click resume? It's always me. Just keep playing. <laughs> right? I know it's not the most important issue, but as a Christian, okay. It's one of the ones. Come back. Christian's I, right and wrong. All right. I had my little joke exhaled back to reality. <laughs> well, that was. In case you missed it. Okay. Before we move along, because uh, I'm looking forward to a political free slices section coming up. I'm very excited about that. But before we get to that, which will be the highlight of the show, other than our amazing guests, a uh, little, little, uh, little announcement. Jesse and I have been working this on. Is this, this is big. This is big. So there's a couple things, a couple things. Mm-hmm. Number one, in 2017, you're going to be seeing a lot of new audio and video things coming from relevant, uh, new podcasts, new uh, video shows, uh, different social media things. Um, it's we're very excited about. We're moving to some new studios um, in in the late winter, early spring, and uh, we're very exciting new season coming up. But before we kind of fully launch our relevant podcast network and all that kind of the new stuff that we've been brewing and working on for quite a while, um, we are this week deploying a. Uh, a, a mini series, should we call it, Jesse? Yep. A mini series, absolutely. Six, a six-week run of an extra podcast that we're making just for Relevant Podcast listeners. It's actually appearing in the Relevant Podcast feed. You may have noticed that something downloaded on your mm-hmm. device on Wednesday. What is that? Uh, we're calling it Relevant Top 50, and it is uh, to round out the end of the year. It is our look back at the top 50. We're counting down the top 50 things that were released in, in uh, the entertainment sphere. So the best mu- music, movies, books, TV, and film. Um, every year on the website, we do a, a top 10 list. We'll do a top 10 albums of the year, top 10 books of the year, top 10 movies of the year. And it's some of our most fun editorial meetings. Like Oh, yeah. 
literally, you know, the uh, the investment, time investment you put into those, debating, <laughs> ranking, <laughs> arguing, pushing, like versus how many people actually read it and look forward to them. Uh, it's probably uh, out of balance, but we have uh, so much fun doing it. We thought this year what we should do is actually merge all of those. We're still going to do those in yeah. December, but we're going to merge all those and do a definitive ranking of the top 50 things that released this year uh, in entertainment. And uh, episode one of six uh, released this week on Wednesday. Can I just say too, I had, I I love doing our podcast. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But I had a blast recording this one. And I hope, hopefully that translates because as Cameron said, Talking about pop culture is is something that we all enjoy, but ranking them for the year because a lot of thought goes in not just into what's included, but the order and how we're positioning it. Like, how is each one of these not just like, oh, this was a cool movie that came out, but how is it, uh, you know, something that us as relevant wants to talk about? It was a lot of fun, and like I said, I, I feel like it was a. Uh, pretty fast paced conversation about, about pop yeah. culture. And it's interesting when you're like debating apples and oranges, you know, like this book versus this film yeah. versus this album, like what's, but we're looking at artistic, you know, merit. We're looking at redemptive themes. We're looking at cultural impact. And so we, <laughs> it's a definitive ranking. It's the first time we've ever done this kind of cross genre, cross platform definitive ranking is yeah. a lot of fun. And it's an, you can't argue with the ranking either. If anybody wants to argue, That's right. well, then they're wrong. Cause this is definitive in science. Definitive. And uh, scientific, it was vetted. Um, all the pollsters agreed. Uh, there's absolutely no margin of error of our definitive ranking. This is it. And that's uh, why, spoiler alert, the first episode is almost entirely dedicated. We started at the top. It's almost entirely dedicated to this new CBS hit sitcom, Kevin Can Wait, starring Kevin James. Uh, and I went ahead I went ahead and gave it the Decade Award. Uh, it's the best Kevin James movie or film of the decade. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Did you see that Adam Sandler's guest hosting on it? I saw it on like a check. Oh, yeah. Guest hosting, he, but like making Adam Sandler alone got a Lifetime Achievement Award this year during it. Uh, it got a it got fierce. It got fierce, but uh, it's mostly CBS shows. I think <laughs> there's a lot of clips. There's a lot of you experience it with us. And so it's, yeah. if you're interested in finding uh, great, you know, entertainment options or you want, you're interested in the best new music or the best films and different things that are out there. It, this is for you. Uh, you experience it with us. You hear kind of why we're into it, what we love about it, what stood out about it, what was significant. And uh, it's like Jesse said, it's fast paced. It's pretty entertaining. I think the first episode is about 45 minutes. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, it's, That's it's great. numbers 50 through 42. Hey, Cameron, so, how about this? J- just for uh, a little tease. For people that are, you know, they're like, well, you guys almost had me sold, Dude, but I'm little, on the fence. Little what Tease is, was my high school nickname. <laughs> <laughs> a little miracle, uh, I, I thought. But no, that was Eddie's. Okay, I yeah. can't even be a part of this part of the conversation. Eddie, what would your number one thing? Pop culture. For 2016. Oh, Larry Sanders show back on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> best comedy. Did you, hey, did you guys rewatch that after... Um, after his passing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm burning through it right now. Hey, now I love that show yeah, so much. Yeah. It's like, it's like the gold standard of, well, I will say this because this will provide context. Whatever, whatever we're talking about has to be released in 2016, right? Hey, now. Like, so not, I mean, not released. Yeah. As tempting as it would be to put, you know, season 12 of Seinfeld in there, it, it had to be released <laughs> in 2016. Uh, yeah. Well, then what could be on there is the uh, Gilmore Girls reunion special. 
That's, that's coming out in November. That's that's true. Number, really excited. That's number four. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's numbers four through one. Actually, <laughs> it a special, all four seasons. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, so uh, there's our little exciting announcement. Go check out the relevant top fifty. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to Jaguar Ma, the song is slipping, which is what you don't want to do if you're the Ma of a Jaguar. <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Pond with Sweep Me Off My Feet. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, as if we don't have enough concerns in our world today, scientists uh, uh, and marine biologists around the globe have made a terrifying discovery. And this will, this puts everything into perspective, you guys. Like, once you hear about Get the revelation, revelation music ready. Once you hear about a new concern in the science community, you're not going to worry about politics. You're going to be worried about the argument you had with Eddie's mentor, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Scientists around the world. <laughs> you got you got a little snicker out of that. It wasn't, wasn't a full laugh, kind of real, but you know, still kind of. I get it. I get it. We're on a podcast. Keep going. Keep going. It's, it's a circle back joke. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> Scientists around the world are. Uh, you're not going to care. You're going to be so concerned about this. Have found uh, more and more two-headed sharks. What? Right. appearing and and no one knows why revelation, so revelation. in oceans around the world right now uh, uh marine biologists are finding a, a rare phenomenon where there are, are are sharks that have one body and these aren't like two sharks like stuck together like held on together by like a fin this is one body with two heads pointing different directions and they're two shark heads this was incredibly rare up until the last year or so when when Scientists are now finding them in oceans all over the world. Two-headed sharks. Now, I have a question. It's literally my worst nightmare. Do they consider them two (laughs) sharks? Or is it just a new breed of singular shark that, like, like over time, maybe if they evolved, which nobody believes in evolution, right? It's like, who would even believe in that? But, like, like their fins would get longer for better maneuvering or something. Are they thinking that they just grew extra heads in order to be smarter and better hunters? No, they, they don't think this is some sort of, like, super shark, two-headed, like... Yeah, is yeah. there an island somewhere in the remote Pacific... That half the the island opened up, and you could fly an airplane into the inside of it, and it was the okay. layer of an I'm evil tracking. villain who was doing experiments <laughs> and dropping two headed sharks all over the world for some sort of domination strategy. I at yes. this point, I think that's science' most plausible explanation okay. right. that that's, that there is a diabolical villain who has found no better way to conquer the world than unleashing uh, two-headed sharks it's in the, the world's long, oceans. It's the long play. It's the long con that he's going it, for. Uh, 
This Go freaks on. me out for several reasons because one, you guys know, obviously we talked about this recently. I operate on high alert and I'm always like, how am I going to defend myself in a certain situation? <laughs> right. and for a long, I mean, shark times. attacks, that's like one of my top fears. But I know that if a shark is coming towards you, you, you like punch it in the side of the head. Well, now I don't have a side of a head to punch. I just have another mouth with teeth and I am really yep. freaking out. You're swinging, you're swinging for the gills and your fist just went into another mouth. <laughs> I, I have a twofer too, because this one's just cool. And it, I think one of the most underrated, I don't even know what would classify as a superpower, but one of the most underrated powers that I think you could have is lip reading, right? How cool would that be? Like if you could just see a conversation happening like across the restaurant and you could perfectly decipher what they're saying just by reading lips. But do you know right now, like even an expert lip reader, guess what their accuracy percentage is? 40, 40 to 43%. Well, mine is about 82%. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's probably average. <laughs> so Karen's 42. Uh, um, uh, Joy claims 82%. Eddie, what's your, what do you think? 100%, 100%, expert lip reader. Well, if they're do. an expert, it's got to be 100%. If not, they're not an expert. Okay, find someone who is extremely proficient. Let me oh. rephrase it. All right, 98%. Fifty-two percent. That is. That's just, what a really good lip reader reads lips. At. If I did my job fifty-two percent of the time accurately, I would be fired immediately. It, well, it's Find like a it, it's, like, it's like a baseball player. All he has to do is hit the ball three out of ten times, and he's like really good. That that's yeah. th that seems like any of us could do that. Yeah. Oh, totally. I like, can it seems like I could just make up a com like I could see a conversation happening across the restaurant and not even if they had their lips covered. Right. Or if I'm not even looking at their lips, I could just look at the body language and probably give you about a 25 percent accuracy yeah. of what I think that conversation is about. I generally know what people are thinking, but I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> but, so what they're saying to me is unimportant because I kind of know what they're thinking. Well, I, I'm interested. C Cameron's a a, a proficient uh, people watcher. That's right. And I was just comes up with elaborate backstory. Yeah, so this that's is true. yeah. I, he probably didn't even need the lip reading. No, that's what I'm saying. That's the least interesting part. That's the least telling part. Yeah, what they're saying is unimportant. It's the poker, the poker player in me. Like I, it's about yeah. the other nonverbal cues. I don't care about the the what the lips are trying to tell me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. uh, uh, researchers at yeah. uh, the University of Oxford Computer Science Department have created a new program called LipNet, which uses a camera. Uh, and ideally, one day, if, if, you, if someone is like hearing impaired, they could wear this camera as sort of like a Google Glass situation, have an earpiece, uh, and have it uh, uh, spoken to them. This computer program can read lips with an over 93% accuracy. Come on now. I think they would read the words that are coming through the camera. Because it wouldn't be like if there's an earpiece in it would be. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It would. It would be like on a monitor inside. Sorry, I got hung up on a minor camera. point. Let's no, continue. No, no, no. But, but you're totally right. But <laughs> all I have to say is a camera that can read lips at 93 percent accuracy. It won't just be for hearing impaired. Uh, you know, there will theoretically be like a consumer version where we could all have like a Google Glass type of situation where we can look across the room and read lips with. Almost 100% accuracy. Uh, have you guys, this isn't quite on point. Wait, did you guys, have you heard about what Adobe's doing for the podcasting thing? Love it. Project Voco. Yeah, it's so cool. It's, it's, uh, for those of you who don't 
know. I, our office was talking about it yesterday because they're like, basically, you're out of a job uh, to me. And uh, so, like, you record, I think it needs about 20 minutes of your audio, like if you're a podcaster. Yeah. And and it makes like a, a profile of your voice and stuff. And it will go in and it'll uh, dictate, it'll type out the words that you're saying on your podcast. And if later you're realizing like, oh, I didn't say something right or I got something wrong, I want to change it. You can go in and edit the file by typing new words or deleting words. It will then edit the audio file and it will use what it knows of your voice to make the new words up. So I can just type in there, it's the week of our guests this week or blah, 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 and not even be here. I could just... I. I can host from afar by typing out my script. That's insane. Dude, it's crazy. But, but isn't that like concerning for someone that wants to like literally put words in I your mouth? To- you know what I mean? I had a meeting yesterday. I said the exact same thing. I said, you guys basically, you have all the audio files of years of me talking. You could put it into yeah. Project Voco, type up whatever you want me to say, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then like call people as me and play my voice saying it. And there's no way that you could discern that it wasn't me. People are going to say, no, it sounds like, you know, Alexa or it sounds like Siri or it's not. No, it, wow. they did a demonstration and you can find it online that Adobe wow. did that they're working on this and it That's sounds crazy. like the person. Well, and two things. I think Jesse's April I, Fool's Day just got a whole lot better. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> are you telling me right now that the voicemail you left me that is sending me on a three week assignment to all paid to Aruba <laughs> is not true because I've I'm already I'm already planning the trip. Well, two things. One, Cameron's not even in the room right now, so surprise, nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> second thing, second thing is though, legitimately, there are people who, um, you know, like uh, the Stephen Hawking voice. Yeah. That voice yeah. is the voice for a lot of people who have some sort of physical issue that prevents them from being able to speak. Yeah. But what they're trying to do is capture pieces of their voice before they totally lose their voice, so that in software, they always have their own voice. So what an interesting thing to be able to, you know, especially like think about your child. If your child was lost his or her voice to be able to still hear them express themselves. There's, there's parts of this in terms of like accessibility for different communities. That is really cool. There's also a part of this that is totally terrifying (laughs) because you automatically go to a sentimental place. All I'm thinking is think of the prank call implications here. That's what I'm saying. They, they, they're, they were positioning this, uh, as a a add on to one of their uh, softwares that's uh, readily available. And it's specifically for podcasters to be able to edit their show. Like after it's done, we could change out the sponsor or we could, Oh man, this, this thing yeah. we got factually wrong. We could just edit it in the file. Wouldn't have to re-record anything and it would change it and re-upload the file. Right. Wow. So it's a podcasting application because the amount of work we have to do to make it sound beautiful right. is actually like significant. It's yeah. not really, you have to be a technician for that. You yeah. have to like understand, but it would be really cool to see it be, but still content is key. I wonder if they'll you be able still to make anything for singers. Like if that's the next step, like don't they already kind of auto tune? Right, but to make it sound like it's their actual oh, voice. Oh, weird, that like they're exist. just singing. Yeah, like yeah, if I could type, if like I could type in audience. like the words of Justin Bieber and like put like a beat behind and the yeah. notes. Yeah, the yeah. notes. And like the a, notes. Yeah. If I could turn back time, that would be my number one song that I would play <laughs> yeah. every morning. Yeah. Is me singing <laughs> "If I Could Turn Back Time" to myself. But you know what's key. impressive? But oh, yeah. You know what's yeah, imp- impressive? I took my earbuds just now and I, I'm watching you guys through Skype and I knew what song you're singing just by reading your lips. What are you reading your lips? Your bills cover around your microphone. The way that you two looked at each other right now when you you bust it out I knew you were saying if I could turn back time there's only one song 
Very appropriate song. I either knew that or or you were either singing If I Could Turn Back Time or that song from Ghost during the pottery scene. I knew you were singing one of those two things. All right. Well, those are good slices. And sorry for derailing it with Project Voco, which is the beginning of the end and is terrifying. Oh, no, that's definite. Yeah, that's end time stuff. It's really the Voco. I'd like to add one thing to it. Yeah. It is the realization of what we all hoped for when soundboards were big and we would make prank calls with like an Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. soundboard. You know, it's not a tumor. And yeah. we're like, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is, good as, this is the realization of prank calls. Classic. Oh my gosh, that's true. We could get, to, as long as we have 20 minutes of audio of anybody's voice, we could encode it, transcribe it, and then type out whatever we wanted that person to say. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The prank call implications are incredible. what has me most excited here. I've always <laughs> wanted uh, Carl Castle to do my voice greeting on my or, or Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I can just do that now. I don't need to bother Carl or Morgan now. with it. Right. Carl yeah. Castle uh, leaving the message on your outgoing. What is it? Leaving the I forget how they say it every show. Uh, it used to be answering machine. And you know, and we've made say. that offer. We'll leave your message for you, but no one has Nobody's ever, ever taken us. a step yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what do you have, Eddie? Um, well, I was, uh, you know, we were real deep in it with the selection. So I picked literally the lightest, happiest candy filled story I could find. <laughs> so there is this young man and I'm trying to find his name. Hunter Jobbins. So Hunter is a college student. Hunter leaves a Kit Kat bar in his car and goes in, uh, I guess, to his dorm for like 15 minutes. What's your favorite candy? You know, that's really, first of all, it's sweet <laughs> of you to ask. There needs to be a qualification. Uh, with chocolate, Snickers with almonds. Without chocolate. I've never heard of Snickers with almonds. Yeah, me neither. It, it's like a Snicker, except it has almonds in it. It's, and it's, where, where he that, just actually it? takes the Snickers and puts almonds on top of it. Yeah, Eddie, look at the Skype camera right now and mouth it to me, and I'm going <laughs> to show you. I'm going to show you right now for everyone to hear, for the for the world to hear of how good my lip reading skills are. Look right at this Skype camera okay, and mouth what your favorite candy is. All right, I'm, I just said it. I believe he said he likes old watermelons. I don't know why that's not even a candy. He, he's still 100%, everybody. He's still 100%. It doesn't make sense, but I'm... He is. And I have 93% assurance he said his favorite candy is old watermelons. <laughs> old watermelon. Old stinky watermelon. So you, why did you have... Give me caveats. So because of mood or whatever? No, because... You don't have like a number one? Like just... Hot tamale. Okay. But that's hard because sometimes you want a piece of chocolate and that's a totally <laughs> different mood and candy. You understand Cameron, this. Cameron, a mouth to me, old watermelon or hot tamale, and I'll see if I can guess which one you're saying. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? You like old watermelons too. This is fantastic. <laughs> I have a gift. It's still 100% everyone. He can't be stumped. He is exactly like that computer. I have a gift. I have a gift. <laughs> this so is a great game. So Hunter leaves this Kit Kat bar in his car, goes into his dorm to come out. He's coming out to his car really like 10 minutes later and he comes out. What's your favorite car? What's my favorite car? I'd like an old truck. Oh, okay. like like a like, a, like 88 Bronco. Well, uh, early, early 80, 84 to 86 Ford F1. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's got he's his your, Snickers with almonds. Right. Oh, his Kit Kat. Kit Kat. And his, and his he's, 84 he's El Camino. He's running in real quick, comes yeah. out to the car. The car truck, the El Camino. To sit down in his Camino and enjoy his Kit Kat as he's going to his next location, but instead he sees a note. And the note says, saw Kit Kat in your cup holder. I love Kit Kats, so I checked your door and it was unlocked. And I did not take anything other than the Kit Kat. I am sorry and hungry. <gasps> no. Give me a break. 
<laughs> so Hunter, give me a break. Yeah. So, you son of a gun! Oh, you, oh. you old dog! Dad joke! You, <laughs> dad joke! Hey, Chandler, what are we waiting on with that button, bro? Yeah. I need a dad joke. Sound hit. So Hunter, then he has a pretty good sense of humor about it. He's not upset, but he d- puts on Instagram a picture of this note. To which point, Kit Kat reacted in horror and sent him a direct message and said, give us your address. They then sent to him 6,500 bars. They loaded the bars up in the car and invited the entire school to come and have a Kit Kat. No to which Tyler way. stood outside. Uh, Taylor, whatever his name is, Hunter. What's the difference? Hunter stands outside <laughs> of his car, hands out Kit Kats to the whole college. Everybody enjoys Kit Kats. And Hunter said, if the person that took the original Kit Kat is around, please come and have another one. He was a really cool guy about it. And they all had Kit Kats. And apparently there was still plenty left over. So feeding of the that's a loaves and fishes thing. Yeah, loaves and fishes. I would like to say um, we had we're at kind of the tail end of the Halloween candy, and yeah. one of the women in my house. I don't want to implicate anyone. Did apparently eat the last Kit Kat, and I'm pretty mm. unhappy about it. My name is Eddie Koffeltz. I'm readily available on Twitter, <laughs> and if you would like to send me a lot of Kit Kats, I would be more than happy to pass them Come out. Come to my house because uh, a certain now seven year old has loaded up my freezer with mm. Kit Kats. Ooh, that's the way to go. And I was like, really, buddy? I mean, I've heard of the Snickers and the whatever. He goes Reese's is he the goes, way to go, Daddy. All chocolate is better frozen. Yeah, I agree. He's so, got a really oh, yeah. fair, fair point. Yeah. yeah. So he he went through the the. Ba- the bucket of whatever he had left found all the chocolate stuff and put it in the freezer. I kind of love that. Reese's, the middle peanut butter part doesn't freeze hard. Yeah. A frozen Reese's peanut butter cup is magical. It, right. Can I add one little like interesting thing to this story? It's like the, what, what, the, what, the, what the, the thief did in this story is sort of cutesy because he left a note and it's just a Kit Kat bar, right? But could you imagine if he had done the same thing and it was like the guy's like lunch, like a meatball sub or something? <laughs> I feel like that would have changed the tone of the story. Like I was walking by her car and I saw a gigantic meatball sub in the passenger seat and I really wanted it. And I took it and ate it. I feel like at that point with a Kit Kat, I would think the same thing. Like this is playful. He kind of did something funny. I would be enraged if this was my meatball sub. Like if this was something like a meal that I was or like a like I feel like the line is probably somewhere around like a pizza. But a Kit Kat is playful, but if it was a whole lunch, I feel like this is a whole different story here. We're looking for this sociopath if he ate the meatball sub. That's true. <laughs> that is a sociopath. So, Kit Kat, Edward or Eddie, DM me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you have, Joy? Um, well, do you guys do any of you guys have landlines anymore? No, no, no. Well, no, you probably I, not, should not, get uh, one and an answer machine so you can get that Adobe thing and get James Earl Jones doing your. I haven't had one since like '98. I mean, like we thought about getting one because, like, one time our cell phones died. Both of our cell phones died, and we're like, "How would we call nine one one right now?" Huh? Like there was just like a moment. Just where, go outside your front door and start screaming. Yeah. Somebody will call help. Just screaming help. Yeah, or not, call somebody. Call nine one one. Somebody will. Do you know, actually, hmm. in a situation where you would naturally scream help, like if you're out in the street like that, you should actually scream fire because help makes people kind of be fearful and look first, whereas fire, people will be more apt to come running. Just a Interesting. What if I yelled yeah. Kit Kats in my car? 
Kick out thieves. Kick out thieves. Pull a meatball sub. This person is a real psycho. Yeah. Who does that? Uh, well, okay. Well, the reason I ask uh, about the landlines is because that's one of the theories um, in why um, the political polls have been so off and not correct in their assumption of who will win. Um, it, Pew Research uh, dropped. Stinky. What? I said it's stinky, but because uh, you said Pew and I'm 11 years old. Pew, so keep pew, going. Pew. That's what was going off in my head yeah, when she said that. We're all too immature yeah. to handle pew, it. Pew. Just keep going. Sorry. <laughs> pew, pew. Do, 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 um, do. I was trying to read your lips the whole time, and I <laughs> I thought your slice was entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, thought, I thought someone, I thought in... From what I understood so far, we, uh, we lost we lost mom. Yeah, that uh, for some reason Michael Jordan had stumbled on an old watermelon patch. You know what? Uh, I actually I thought, this is a weird story. I didn't hear any. I heard nothing about this, but I'm ninety-three percent sure I heard you correctly. You just referenced Andre the Giant for some reason too, and you're, now you're talking about watermelons again. I are you sure you got this from a reputable site? I'm, I think I would have heard about this. Andre the Giant's been dead for. <laughs> what, is, what does the forest industry have to do with this? But we'll keep going. I'm listening. And why do you keep circling back to the watermelon thing? Is that going to play into the story? Because it feels like watermelon doesn't have a lot to do with what's going on. Why is it? Pretty much when I read lips, I'm pretty sure every other word is old watermelon. I, I'm just realizing that now. It's the most popular word in the English language. If you look yeah, at I mean, I use kind of my own internal algorithm, and I assume most conversations are about the age of watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm deducting this right. Everyone in this restaurant is talking about the age of watermelons that they don't even serve here. Yeah. They're talking. Well, they know something I don't. The conversation uh, I'm continue is to read lips and try to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. The conversation's happening. The question is, are you on board? That's what everybody wants to know at this point now. Anyhow, stinky research. And that's and that's my slice. Yeah, so. good enough. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's just that um, in 1997, there was 43% participation for people answering their phones, generally a landline, um, and answering their what they how they were going to vote or their opinions about both political parties. And it's now 43% in 97. It's dropped to 14% in 2012. So it's probably even less. Um, so yeah, one of the theories is uh, no landlines. And it's also, um, you know, people being just more willing to say, no, I don't want to talk. If you have like a controversial opinion about something, are you going to, you know, tell a complete stranger um, that calls you at eight o'clock at night, you know, or are you going to keep it to yourself? So it's interesting to me that there was such a, um, a willingness to share your opinion and now there's not, but that's the biggest um, reasoning why they think these polls are so off. I was going to say, but beyond that, like with the landline thing, like right now, if someone calls me from an unknown number, yeah, right? Answer. Because this was in, in the glory days of landline, Line polling, this yes. wasn't a problem. The phone just rings, you pick it up and say hello. If yeah. I see an unknown number, there I'm not a weirdo. There's no way I'm picking that up, yeah. you know? And if I do, it's just going to be who dis and then hang up. <laughs> I, I, I saw real quick, I saw a picture that made me laugh. It was this monkey in China that's evidently really good at predicting things, and he's a mystical uh-huh. monkey, it said. 
He and, knew you were going to do this. And he, they brought him out to like this table. They have pictures of it. And they had cardboard cutouts of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. This is the day before the election. And they just sat him there to see what he wanted to do. He, this is when all the pollsters were saying that Hillary was going to win. This monkey, who's wearing a yellow t-shirt, walked over to the Donald Trump one and began kissing it on the mouth. And they're saying he got it right once again. So maybe we should just use monkeys instead of landlines. Or, or for we don't even need to vote. I mean, just let let the monkey decide. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Empire of the Sun joins us. to Daywave. The song is Wasting Time, which is going to be the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> Hailing from Australia, electronic music duo Empire of the Sun combines indie pop sensibilities with dance-inspired anthems. Their brand new album is called Two Vines, and it's already garnering critical praise and international radio play led by the hit single High and Low, which you've heard here on this show. That is a, that's a catchy jam. We recently talked with the band about the new record, their influences, and how they create some of their unique sound. Here's part of Rebecca Joe Flores' conversation with Empire of the Sun. I saw that going from your first album to the second, uh, that was kind of more difficult, um, that process and, and being about the music, which I know it's it's about being positive for you guys and, and being free to explore. Um, how was that, you know, with the, with the third album? Did you find that it was easy to connect to those roots or did you still have to kind of find room to be true to yourself as an artist? Like no one gets away free you know it's like it's like new level new devil you know it's like the more you progress the, the new set of challenges that are given to you and I don't think it's ever going to be easy you know for for anyone you know that's progressing it's going to be you know new tests and new struggles but I think you know you do learn some things along the way like I think maybe we, we've worked at you know that you have to understand that I know like we've understood that you know records are their own animal you know there's times when you have to let it you know run wild in the jungle for a bit and then you have to go and 
catch it and reel it back in and, you know, feed it a bit more and give it some nourishment. But yeah, I guess, yeah, we, yeah, we sort of learned, learned like a bit more about patience and, um, yeah, perseverance, I guess. Uh, speaking of Jungle, I read that your second album was, uh, you know, very inspired by Ghana and the lush kind of beauty of Africa. Where did you guys draw your inspiration for um, the third album? You know, from the start of the, the record cycle, Nick was talking about, he was living in New York and was talking about the city being overgrown by vines and how, you know, eventually Mother Earth will, you know, start taking back the planet and that just became this whole concept that we were talking about, you know, while we're making the record and then we ended up going to Hawaii and there was like a banyan tree growing into our hotel rooms and I don't know, it just sort of became like a, you know, reoccurring kind of thing everywhere we went. about these vines just growing out of the earth and overtaking the world. Tell me, like, what we what we can expect to hear that's kind of different in this album. Is there anything new that you're excited to share with fans in it, or anything that that you know is new that you surprise yourself with? You know, like we work with some new people. We work with Lindsay Buckingham and Wendy Melvoy and Henry Hay and Lindsay LeFay and like a lot of great musicians. But you know, we always we always discover new inventions, you know, and new tricks and. And we're always exploring new ways that we can trick our minds to think differently because, um, you know, music's like one thing that you have to maintain. You know, you have to be fresh, you know. If it's not fresh, it becomes like you're, you're trying to dance in concrete. That was Empire of the Sun. Make sure to check out their new album, Two Vines. Don't be scared by the cover art. It's mm-hmm. out now. Written by the Passion Generation, for the Passion Generation, Simple Pursuit, the new 365-day devotional, will cut through the noise of everyday life with the truth of God's Word. With introductions by Louis Giglio, Chris Tomlin, David Crowder, and Matt Redman, Simple Pursuit will show you the big story Jesus is writing for your life and the great opportunity you have to be a part of something greater. Now available in bookstores everywhere. 
You think she loves you. She'll take you for everything you got. You gotta remember that. New York City. Brooklyn. You're listening to Alicia Keys. It's her new single, She Don't Really Care. Well, with all the election news, one of the world's biggest stories has largely fallen out of the national headlines, the fight for Mosul and the humanitarian crisis unfolding in Iraq right now. As the founder of the Preemptive Love Coalition, Jeremy Courtney has worked in the country for years, uh, providing life-saving medical assistance and humanitarian aid to communities in need throughout Iraq and the region. We recently talked with Jeremy about the situation he's seeing in Mosul. I mean, he has been on the front lines. That guy is no joke. Uh, If you haven't been following him on Instagram or any of the other social networks, uh, do. It's it's unbelievable what he's seeing and experiencing and posting. He's like the touch point to reality, that guy. For real. He really is. And one of the most amazing people we know. Uh, we talked that, to him that about was a li- little hurtful. Okay, but I it's said cool. one of. I left room for you to be on the list. Who, who makes the? Who makes the? You're somewhere in fifty to forty-two. We talked about Jeremy <laughs> okay. on episode six when we get in the top five. Um, we recently talked with Jeremy about the situation in Mosul, the uh, Iraq's battle against ISIS, and how Christians can help people in need. Here is Jeremy Courtney. Your organization is obviously there in Iraq. Um, you're in Iraq. Your family's in Iraq. What What's it like over there? What are you seeing? Is Is it something different um, than over the past, say, the past six months or so? Yeah, absolutely. It's different. It's uh, things have ramped up significantly over the last couple of weeks since October 17th, I believe, when the battle to liberate the city and its environment, the city of Mosul and its environs from ISIS control began. Um, it's different in as much as areas of land, swaths of land and individual villages that have been under ISIS control for two years and some months are now. I was in a village just yesterday that was under ISIS control the day before. In fact, when I was there, um, we, we still had ISIS fighters in the, in the village that we were in fighting. There was gunfire all around. The Iraqi military that we were with was still actively fighting against ISIS members a few streets over. A suicide bomb actually went off when we were there in the village. We could feel the, the punch in us and the house was rocked that we were in. Uh, there were dead ISIS fighters in the street right at my feet where we were. So, so this is different. I mean, this is an area that has, has not had any military contestation uh, over the last couple of years and in fact this morning Iraqi security forces have fully breached the city of or have officially is probably a better word than fully have have officially breached the city of Mosul and there have been no Iraqi security forces inside Mosul for two plus years now so this represents the beginning of the end of the official ISIS organization as we know it today in Iraq. Okay, so switching gears just a, a bit, how is this latest uh, development, the action in Iraq, um, affecting your work, the, the work of preemptive love? Is are you seeing? Um, are you allowed now to get into places where you couldn't before, or are you seeing, uh, you know, an increase in humanitarian type crises, or are things better for people? What, what's what's going on? Yeah, it's a little bit of all of that. So we are absolutely working in places that 
that we weren't before and, and even I mean for example the place where I was yesterday was um, was literally under ISIS control complete control the day before and, and was still having ISIS fighters in it when I was there so uh, that's not a place that we would have ever been able to access uh, without some kind of security um, well there would be no way to access an ISIS controlled town as a Westerner right now so um, so that's significant what what's even what's equally significant I think is the fact that as an organization as preemptive love coalition we are operating in these conflict zones where not in the fallback positions where some of the official, where all of the official aid is, all of the massive UN and UN-funded organizations, all of our counterparts, all the other big box groups, every other Christian organization that your readers would likely know are are not operating in the conflict zone. And so we're taking an approach of, of going toward the people who need it most. So how can uh, those of us on this side of the ocean um, who all the time hear about what's going on in Iraq, you know, if nothing else, by just kind of the, the constant buzz of it uh, being a reality, what what can we do? What, what does preemptive love need that we can help with or what else uh, that you know of can we be doing to help out? Ultimately, it comes down to resources we have all the staff and access and connections to political, tribal, religious, government uh, friends that we need to get the job done. We just don't have enough money to get the job done. We are not UN funded, which is also, which is what allows us to go into the hard places where people need it most. But the downside of not being UN funded is that we run out of private money rather quickly. So it really comes down to funds. So, I mean, people can donate individually. I would love for people to encourage their churches to take up Christmas offerings for our work and our response in Mosul, and we can talk directly with church leadership to help answer questions and facilitate that. And people are certainly encouraged to not only give themselves, but in like fundraising campaigns to get their friends and family to give as well. One thing of note, we're non-sectarian, non, non-biased group, but I do think it's worth noting that the, while we are helping Muslims and Christians, and this is a Muslim and Christian homeland, I think your readers will be interested in the fact that this is a, this is a very much a Christian uh, issue. In 2014, when this story broke, one of the reasons it broke is because ISIS was going door to door in Mosul, marking Christians' homes for extermination and marking them with a red letter N with a spray paint can. And that, that N was calling them Nasrani, the followers of the Nazarene. And I and our team actually helped break that story to the world. We started the social media We Are In campaign that reached all the way to the Vatican and CBS News covered it and some others. I mean, that getting that word out helps, helps start with us. I think Relevant helps with that. And this is a way that we can kind of complete the circle on that. It's, it's not right that we would only scream and shout in 2014 and not be a part of, of helping see this thing through to completion in 2016. That was Jeremy Courtney. 
Okay, listen. I don't do this. Go donate. I'm doing it. Join me. Donate. Support their work. It's important. Go to preemptivelove.org and get involved. Uh, What Jeremy and his team are doing is life-saving work on the front lines. They need our help. Go now. Preemptivelove.org. Stay tuned. Up next, feedback. Honestly. I feel like I really could die. Really could die. This pain, man, is keeping me wanting to cry. Cause all I know is everything that we've been trying. Feel it killing us, and baby, we slowly been dying. Every time that we cross every line, claiming we love each other, but we lie. Real love don't keep you feeling so deprived. Should be the feeling that keeps you alive. Girl, we done promised ourselves many times. We gonna stop, but we don't even try. God is so good, he forgives every time, and I wanna be more than a night. Listen to Group One Crew. The song is Burn. And they've been a- around a while. Yeah. I remember them back in the day. Okay, it's time for uh, feedback. So last week, we asked you uh, for your friend zone horror stories. Horror stories. Yeah. <laughs> friend zone horror stories where you... A lot of people didn't hear that right, and we had to delete a lot of comments. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, we've all been in the friend zone. We've had friends of various genders, and uh, sometimes it gets awkward. We wanted to know your stories. Here's uh, some of the stories you sent in. Eddie just mouthed me one, and it said he's, he just said he's eaten some old watermelon, and he's temporarily blind. Guys, I think Eddie's in real trouble here. <laughs> Sam Mugglesworth said, uh, this one is so There's pain- no way that's a real last name. His name is Mugglesworth. There's no way. That's Muggleworth. His, that's Muggleworth. His, I added an S, but either his, way, it's Muggleworth. That's his stage name or something. Or he's, that's his puppet's name. Here's Mr. Mugglesworth. And he like does <laughs> children's ministry or something. That was, yeah, that was the monkey that chose Trump over Hillary Clinton. Mr. Muggleworth. Mr. Muggleworth. Mr. Muggleworth. Sorry, Sam. We already maligned you enough. Now we have to read this humiliating story. Near the end of his college career, he finally... This is so good. He muster up the courage to ask a girl on a dinner date who'd been pretty good friends with uh, for most of college. So he gets to her uh, apartment to pick her up. And the... Okay, so picture he's he's known this girl his whole college career. He finally asks her out on a date. He gets to the door and she says, Hey, I invited my friend, insert male name here, too. He's never met this guy before. Oh, uh, my nervous excitement turned into an extremely awkward dare date with her and a guy I didn't know. I haven't Ooh. seen her since that date. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm surprised he stuck through the dinner. How weird is that? That is weird. I would love to have Alicia call me. I want to talk with her a little bit about this. <laughs> um, she said, I have this guy friend who I've known for over 10 years. We've had a bit of a friend friend zone ping pong over the years. I like that descriptor. Uh, when we first met, I liked him, told him my feelings, and he said he wasn't interested. So we stayed friends. We went our separate ways, and his life has gone on. He continues to pop up every couple of years, sends all sorts of mixed signals. We go to lunch to catch up. He asks me why I'm still single. He tells me to keep my head up. There's someone out there for me. He writes on my Facebook wall and calls me beautiful and stunning. He'll text me and call me buddy, but then he always goes silent for a long period of time. The last time he came through town, we had dinner, shared a super awkward hug, and afterwards he sent me flowers. I was so nervous about hurting his feelings because I didn't have feelings for him now, but when I thanked him for the flowers, all he said was, ah, glad you liked them. Then she says, so hashtag I'm with Eddie, no friendships with people of the opposite sex. I would say to this, <laughs> I do believe that you can have friends uh, with the opposite sex. However, 
this guy is just uh, unhealthy <laughs> and messing with your mind because you told him that you had feelings for him. He wanted to keep you around to stroke his own ego, but sweetheart, wow. please cut ties with that friend. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's hot. There take. It is. Well, yeah, this is good because uh, joy used to do this professionally. I just yeah. think sometimes when people default to, you can't be friends with the opposite sex. It's because they have some scenario with like that where someone has hurt them, but it's like, you're going to have girlfriends that are going to hurt you too. And you're not going to default to can't be friends with women, yes. you know? So it's more about the character of the person and being wise in that regard than saying no. Well, opposite yeah. sex. But the moment up. a girl, usually a woman thinks like, I wonder if this guy's kind of trying to, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, well, <laughs> this is the danger of that, Joy. But what could happen to you happened to Brandon Smith. He was friends with a girl for a year, and he, th- he thought, you know, this is someone I could see myself dating. Uh, so he finally mustered up the courage to tell her how he feels and said, uh, and this was her reply, all thanks, but I really feel like God wants me to be single for at least six months so I can discover who I really am and That's him. my favorite thing. That's yeah, my favorite. Yeah. Two weeks later, two weeks later, she updated her Facebook status and she was in a relationship with somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. I will say that that was actually one of my favorite posts that I ever wrote was not playing the God card. Because when you tell someone that God told you something, whether God did or not, and someone feels differently, then you're essentially telling that person, you can't hear the voice of God and I can. And it's that's can be very damaging. So Yeah, that's no good. There's a lot more feedback, but you people didn't get the gist of what this segment is. (laughs) We need pithy, quick little things, little, little nuggets that we can bring. You guys opened yeah, let up. Let us know and when your memoir us. comes out, but the comment section isn't the place for the memoir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you guys wrote the first chapter of your life story and uh, we can't really, we don't have time to read it. We were very sad. I don't even have time uh, to listen to those idea. people. Most, most of the time I'm, I'm not listening and just trying to read, uh, uh, lip read. And I get very little <laughs> of what I think they're trying to say. And most of the time it ends disastrously for me. So keep it short here. Uh, so, okay. So th- that'll do it for the last week's feedback it's time for this week's editorial question of the week all right well earlier in the show i brought the hard-hitting news of project boco from adobe uh (laughs) our office is all a twitter about it uh they're all excited because then i don't have to do the podcast anymore yeah sometimes i wonder (laughs) if some of your stories are too real like that one hit pretty close close to home. You know? They're all like, hey guys, we don't need you anymore. There's a software Adobe's working on. Uh, but it got it got Jesse thinking about the prank implications oh, yeah. of, of Project Voco and what Obviously. you could do with yeah. the prank calling <laughs> for those who aren't the lip readers for the for the people who listen with their ears yeah. and not their eyes. Um, right. But it yeah. got us thinking, but then that got us thinking about pranks yes. and uh, that would be an epic prank opportunity is if you had Project Voco and a phone you could have a lot of, you could do a lot of damage, have a lot of fun with that. So we want to know your best prank ideas and or stories. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a Project Boco prank call idea. Maybe you have a prank story of something you've done. Mm -hmm. Basically, we just want your ideas because Jesse will probably go do most of them. Yes. So can I tell you one of my favorite go-tos back in college that we would do regularly is we would put, we would find someone and I can like, it didn't matter what someone did to incur our wrath, but we would put a alarm clock the, the like the, I'll say this, the dorm ceilings had like ceiling tiles, right? So you could like lift up the tiles and put things up in the ceiling. So we would put like an alarm clock over their bed and it would go off late at night. Right. And so they had to get up, find it and eventually see that it was in the ceiling. Eventually we would do it 
with like several alarm clocks that would go off at different times. <laughs> and one day, and finally, the, the same guy who was like reaching around in the ceiling all night trying to find these alarm clocks, we covered one. And because it's dark and you're reaching your hand into no, ceiling tiles. No, no, no. There's rats up there. <laughs> we covered well we covered one just like in peanut butter and so it was just grabbing a handful of goo in the middle of the night it, it w- he had a pretty big meltdown after that and we had to discontinue that prank but uh, <laughs> it's the little things in life that i feel like sometimes i have told you that we disassembled uh, a, a whole floors um bathroom stalls oh, yeah. before so it was one. just uh free sitting toilets <laughs> which i feel like is always a fun go to oh, yeah <laughs> I feel like that's a fun go-to. And I feel like uh, uh, cutting the, 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 the shower curtain at chest length is always hilarious, too. Oh, yeah. um, and pretty weird. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, most of these involve minor vandalism. You got to be comfortable with that. Uh, and just creating awkward situations for people. I am so but, glad uh, we went to college different years. I would have not been friends with you or, <laughs> or wanted to live in the vicinity of you. It. Yeah. With, with your proclivity for harassing well, the those other around thing you. is like uh, we had trash shoots in the dorms and we got really good at where well, we would go and like measure a piece of string from like one floor to the other and like pull it back up and we got really good at um dropping we would get air horns with rubber bands around them and drop them in the trash chute so you couldn't reach them but they were going outside going off like right outside your room the other move for new ras that we would do and this is just a jerk thing when i think about it is um i mean it's the oldest one in the book it's not even that clever it's just really messed up it's getting a track because the doors open inward right so if someone knocks on your door you pull the door open we get a trash can full of water and uh um lean it on somebody's door and then especially for like new RAs if they were like giving us a hard time about our other acts of vandalism and then calling him <laughs> in the middle of the night and tell him there's a fight outside his room and he just opens it in a big trash can full of water gets him it's hilarious guys and it ruins all the stuff <laughs> it, it, it is not jerk it is hilarious see, purely hilarious see the, your your era was far more nuanced my guys were kind of like cavemen or bulls in a china shop yeah. when you talk about the beauty and the ballet of your pranks my guys, like my quote unquote friends, the guys I was on dorms with would like break into things and take things out of buildings and then like hide it in our mm-hmm. dorms and like, you know, whatever. It was just un- unclever stuff. Right. One time a guy uh, yeah. was kind of annoying some of the other guys on our wing. And so the guys broke into his room, took his TV and threw it off the roof. Yeah. I mean, just stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, this isn't clever. Yeah. Yeah. Like this isn't like that's leaning a, a trash can. Right. That's just right. It's th- theft. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were, we were like, I mean, we eventually just became like the MacGyvers of pranks. Like we, we ziplined air horns into another dorm building one time. You're, like with like a grappling hook I've thing. Said- we threw it over onto the balcony, right? And so it's like five or four thirty in the morning and we had carabiners because at, at that point in college, everyone had a bunch of carabiners mm-hmm. for everything and just ziplined like four air horns and we're like going, <laughs> landing on someone's balcony, just going off in the middle of the night. And as soon as they go back to bed, and like, what the heck? Why did they do? We throw another one over. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got. Like I said, it took it took some it took some ingenuity we, to do these. We've said this off. before. At no point are you ever funnier, or do you have more time than in college? Those <laughs> true. were the golden yeah. years. Yeah. So. Take advantage. It was as funny as you'll ever be, and as much time as. And, you'll and when ever you live have. on a residential Christian college campus of oh, four thousand yeah. students, it's big enough to have a lot of places to go and get into trouble. Yeah. But it's small enough yeah. that like it's almost like summer camp and repressed yeah. enough. 
enough to just yeah. make people crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we want to know your uh, prank, your best prank stories and or ideas. Um, yeah. So there you go. Hit us yeah. up uh, on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Many thanks to our guests uh, for joining us. Remember, Empire of the Sun's new album is called Two Vines, and it's out now. And also, thank you so much to Jeremy Courtney for uh, calling yeah. in. Um, keep their work uh, in, in prayer. Uh, Primitive Love Coalition is doing amazing, amazing work on the front lines there in Iraq uh, and, and Mosul and with all the refugees. It's an incredible, incredibly challenging thing there. Well, and facing. support them. I think they have a Christmas. Sometimes they have like a Christmas catalog or things you can buy. They like, do have a Christmas buy catalog. Buy stuff. Yeah. Give buy them, stuff. Donate. Give them money. It, it is some, very important. Sometimes people wonder, well, what could I do? The need is so great. Find organizations that are actually doing it and doing it the right way and are high integrity and high right. transparency and get behind them. Totally. And uh, Preemptive Love Coalition is one of the, the, the ones that over the years, as we've worked closely with oh, a number yeah. of organizations, I couldn't say things more highly yeah. oh, uh, about Jeremy and the work they're oh, doing. True. So. The best. Uh, thanks to our show sponsor. Remember right now you can go to harrys.com and enter relevant five at checkout to claim your free trial set and post a shave bomb. It's a very nice bomb, by the way. I had no doubt. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I am Eddie. Hey now, Koffelt. I'm Chandler Strang. <laughs> Eddie Watermelon Koffelt. Hey now. <laughs> I'm Joy Ertreed. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. This is fantastic. I have a gift.